Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. To this week's FYP podcast. It's episode 499, and thank you for joining us as we savour our third away win of the season, praise another excellent defensive display, and talk over arduous away day trips. We'll also answer your questions, have another round of 321, and look ahead to Everton visiting SE25 this weekend. I'm your host, Jack Pierce, in the chair for the fourth time this season, each of which have been after our four league wins. <laughs> Let the clamour for me to host after both Brighton fixtures start now. Our first guest is a man who, for legal reasons, has requested I don't put him on the spot about the Cricket World Cup for a second appearance in the right in a row. It's uh, the Athletics Don Five. Here. In fairness, <laughs> all I'll say on that point is my my argument when we last spoke about this was that it would be nice for England to bat out fifty overs, and they pretty much failed to do that in most of their pathetic appearances at this World Cup. Anyway, enough cricket. We'll end the cricket chat there because we really don't want to spend too much time talking about it. Dom, how are you? Busy, busy weekend at Athletic HQ? Uh, yeah, well, Sunday that was that was quite busy, but yeah, it's it's uh, it, all fine, all fine. I'm, I'm, I was buoyed by the uh, the victory on Saturday, which was great news. Yeah, lovely stuff. We'll get probably stuck into that one. Joining Dom and I, a man who not only made the trip to Lancashire on Saturday, but did so using the club coach. It's Joe Walker. Joe, we'll get onto the game, but more importantly, did you have time for a visit pre-match to the cricket club? I did, only for one round, but because uh, okay. we, I got two coaches to Burnley. Oh yes, you did. Go on, give give the uh, listeners the joys of it. They the window wipers uh, were causing some, well, were having some issues on the first coach. Mercifully, it was only about 15, 20 minutes up the road, Brixton Hill. We had to pull over mm-hmm. and wait half hour for a replacement coach for safety reasons. Um, But so eventually, uh, you know, club coaches do like to get to these grounds pretty early. Um, But I think we arrived at quarter past two. Oh, okay. So I I, I made a quick trot over to the cricket ground. I mean, it's the only reason I really signed up for that trip. It's the, it's the, it's the Mecca of Burnley. (laughs) If it it has one. (laughs) And and just some details about the round and, and what, what, What's the current exchange rate from London pounds to Burnley pounds right now? What, what do you get for your money? They 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 have felt inflation too, but uh, only only so much. Uh, okay. Four Jaeger bombs and two pints of cider, twenty one pounds. It's not bad. Must be sniffed uh, at. No. What did everybody else drink? Hey, <laughs> 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 uh, listener, for more of that, you got you got another hour or so of that to come. Oh, yeah. Absolutely beautiful oh, stuff. <laughs> 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 uh, before we get standard. going, before before we get go, uh, chatting, uh, uh, a lovely Palace win, even though the performance might not have been as wonderful, but the result uh, most important. We'll, we'll just get through some admin quickly. This season, as I'm sure you're all aware by now, we are sponsored by Green King Sports, where football is more than a game. 
Green King Sport venues are showing every televised Palace fixture over the course of the season. So instead of turning to the internet for a dodgy stream, get your mates together and get down your local Green King pub and get closer to the action. This season, Green King have launched the Green King Sport Instagram page, which will be home to fan content, deals and competitions throughout the season. They've already given away Champions League final tickets and signed shirts, so you don't want to miss out. Drop them a follow on Instagram and you won't just be the first to know about all of that. You'll also be helping out FYP. We'd also like to thank our wonderful patrons. Your continued support is much appreciated as ever. If you would like to support the FYP podcast and receive perks such as exclusive post-match pods, please visit patreon.com forward slash FYP podcast. And finally, a Kevin Day related memo, a discount code for Kevin's new book that he's written with his co-host at The Price of Football, Kieran Maguire, and their producer Guy Kilty, unfit and improper persons, is still active. 25% off for you as an FYP listener, and with Christmas on the horizon, it could be a wonderful gift for anyone who enjoys the two wonders of football and finance. It's an excellent read, and we'll include a link and the details in the show notes. So, with uh, all of that out of the way, let's talk Palace, and a Palace team that, as we record this episode, sit 10th in the Premier League after a 2-0 win at Burnley on Saturday. Sorry, we are recording as uh, as Tottenham play Chelsea, and Palace's place in 10th was nearly consolidated as Spurs nearly took a two-goal lead, but uh, I think the linesman has uh, has intervened twice, looks offside twice, I think, possibly. Uh, Joe, let's start with you. You um, you made the trip. Was it worth the trip? Absolutely. I, I, I think the performance isn't as important as the result right now. Maybe I've been conditioned over the last few weeks with the situation that we've got. We are seeing players return, but we're still not at full strength or close enough to full strength to be kind of calm in these sort of fixtures. So I've been kind of content to just get away from these kind of games with with three points. And we set our stall out almost straight away. It's pretty clear within the first couple of minutes how we were going to approach the game, which didn't fill me with lots of uh, excitement and enthusiasm, but it just worked so well. I, I trust in our defence. You know, Joel Ward will get to probably had uh, one of his kind of bigger workouts and and came off eventually. But we did restrict Burnley to half chances. I think Goodmanson had the 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 best opportunities, but even those were kind of he's thrown a leg at it. Really, it's not very composed. Maybe that's a reflection of how poor their home form is or the whole season form is that they're maybe snatching it shots but you know we uh waited for mistakes to be made in defense and we pounced on them and yeah i i feel like a late winner to seal it or, or not even a winner just a late goal to clinch it when you've been holding on uh the, that that relief of tension is whatever happened before that doesn't even matter that just made the journey home fly by i really enjoyed it well, um, we'll come on to the two goals um, in a moment because, uh, yeah, the second one in particular, I think, ultimate gloss uh, being added to uh, yeah. to what would have been a great win regardless. But, but Dom, after a couple of difficult results, albeit against opposition living at the top of the table, how important was it for Palace to return to winning ways? Well, it was because my, I don't know, my, my, my gaze keeps going to the, the run of fixtures that, that come up in December and... and they sort of have the alarm bells ringing a bit. So we have to consolidate in this little period of, of, of matches um, and just get ourselves well clear of trouble. I don't think this relegation is going to be a problem because I think 
the struggles of the three promoted clubs and and Bournemouth will keep us well clear of that. But there was a bit of disquiet after those the, the two performances, Newcastle and, and, and Spurs, and that frustration was starting to well up. I think probably a bit unfairly, everything looked off colour against Newcastle and Tottenham actually, you know, okay, with the resources that Palace had, they, they gave them a gave it a good go. Um, it was just the frustration at 2-0 down that there wasn't more urgency and the willingness to sort of break out the, the rigid shape to uh, discomfort Spurs a bit um, that, that caused frustration there, I imagine. But look, we had, we had to win it. And I'm still slightly, I don't know, I'm still slightly worried about how we take, what we take into the Everton game other than a bit more belief because we, we, we didn't play particularly well other than that, that defensive that rugged defensive um shape and and the commitment and discipline um and i still wonder how we're going to open up everton if ezra isn't up to full speed and elise isn't fit enough to start you know hopefully another week of training that might not be the case so i think the same concerns still are still there that were there after the spurs game but it's just it just makes life look a bit rosier when you've got a win and you're in the top half of the table and that relegation scrap is a distant 10, 11 points back. Yeah, and, and to extend your point, Dom, I'll ask Joe, in terms of the two goals, they did come from the two real openings that, that we had. One came from a mistake that the Jordan IU kind of kind of forced from, from Jordan Bayer. And then the second one is, is Daroche probably kicking the ball or trying to keep the ball in play when typically... Defender wouldn't do that because the the time was was basically um, run out, had run out by that point for, for Burnley. After the game, Roy said the the result flattered us somewhat. Joe firstly did it, and then a quick follow up: Does it matter? Or is, as Dom says, the result was really paramount given the the run of fixtures we have beyond the Everton and Luton games as we head into head into December. I think I think the scoreline did flatter us. It. it... Suno implies it was comfortable. While I, while we limited them to not the most kind of clear chances, I still don't think I still think it was nervous for for the majority of that second half. It's, um, especially when you see Chet Decore go off, which is uh, someone you don't often see hooked for Palace. Presumably, you start to speculate, or oh, surely it's an injury or or whatnot, but that doesn't seem clear. And I I, I assume it was because next to him was. Uh, Jefferson Lerma, who I thought was misplacing every single pass, it seemed to be. I don't know if that was confirmation bias, me keeping an eye out for it, but I was surprised to see him remain on the pitch instead of uh, Decore. Um, but yeah, I, it, it doesn't matter in that game in particular. But looking ahead, you do you do wonder what will be different come the weekend because yes, Ebbs came on and will hopefully benefit of another. Um, week of training, but it probably touched the ball four or five times, and that's that might be overselling the number of touches actually. Um, which maybe that's the nature of the opposition, but I didn't really had I think it had half an hour to impact the game, and then really, minutes, yeah. yeah, and I don't think he really did. Um, certainly not as much as a, a Hamader did, who I think we might might have to revisit in three, two, one. I, I thought his contribution. It plays a big part in the second goal, certainly as yeah. well. Um, there so... are questions. There are questions about Hamada as well. Clearly, had a 
an impressive cameo when when he came on a little bit later. I think he, he only had about fifteen minutes on the pitch. You'll you'll recall it better than I did. But um, yeah, that I think uh, that the point about Ebbs is actually quite funny. Last time the three of us were together on was was after um, the news had just broken that he was um, to be out for six weeks with a hamstring injury. So to have him back, you know, sooner than that is is great. And and Don, as I said, the last time we we spoke was the day that news was announced. So how good is it that he's back a bit earlier than that and with particularly with the Everton and the looting games on the horizon, I guess when you are looking a little bit impotent as we did in previous matches, great to have one of the difference makers. Absolutely. I mean, they just can't afford to be without him. That's the bottom line. I mean, he, they, they have a different dimension to their attacking play when he's on the pitch. We even saw that. This, this is probably a bad example, but actually uh, go back to the Plymouth game in the league cup. That game is transformed when he comes onto the pitch. They can't deal with him. And okay. That's Plymouth from the who are in the lower reaches of the championship now. And we've got Everton on at the weekend, which is a far more daunting um prospect. Um but look, it's 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 imperative to have him back and firing and and and, and playing up up to the and maybe playing up to the levels of last season as opposed to this, because I think there was a bit of frustration even with his performances at the start of this season because he was having to do everything on himself uh, he felt that pressure on him i'm sure to be the the team's inspiration the one that was going to create things the one that was going to score things and he i mean he had so many shots and i think he only scored one goal in that period and and it maybe maybe with michael coming back as well there will be a, a sense of of liberation to him and that, that there won't be quite as much pressure on his shoulders and, and maybe we can he can express himself in a slightly easier way not least because if Aliso's on the pitch then the opponents have got to be worried about him as as opposed to just on Eberichieze so I mean, it's it's imperative we get them both back so that um if, if nothing else so that Selzy can finally uh calm down about the lack of options <laughs> Yes, I, I finished listening to Post Match Pod today, which I have, I think they finished recording at one AM on mm, yeah. I mean, Rob Sutherland. Let these people go to bed. I mean, that's well, just, just sometimes crazy. Rob just talks too much, doesn't he? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's lovely to have it. It was great to get both Celsies uh, and uh, and Ed Brack's uh, response from from a day's travelling. But yeah, fair commitment from the two of them. Um, I think it, yeah, ahead of Saturday, it's, it's almost a, a bonus the fact that Ebb's got those minutes. Um, and the, I guess the anticipation for the three of us and any Palace fan listening will be that hopefully that puts them in good stead to start next week um, against Everton with the added benefit um, we're led to believe that Michael Elise may well be able to make an appearance on the bench. So it's exciting times. We've waited long enough for the two of them to both be fit. As uh, Selzy did mention the post-match pod, the season started three months ago, almost the day by the time we uh, we play Everton. So to have your, your two best attacking threats available at the same time, it's uh, it is going to help. Joe, I think you did briefly mention the defensive um, efforts. Um, and, th- and again, the two centre-halves were, were outstanding. The goalkeeper, excellent again. Yeah. Um, Tariq Mitchell has a, capped off a good performance with, with his, uh, I think, only his second league yeah. goal for, for Palace, which is which is lovely for him. Wardy struggled. We, we'll maybe touch on that a bit later. But the fact that defence provides the base, it, it really does mean if you can maximise the small opportunities that you have, it's going to put you in good stead and, and could you know, lead to a a decent win at a place um well where everyone's won so far this season. So to not have won would have would have been a, a big disappointment. We've not really mentioned that as I said the the defender specifically, but before we get into your questions and, and end part one, despite all the doom and gloom of, of recent weeks, 
it's probably worth noting that Palace currently sit joint top and of the table in terms of clean sheets alongside Arsenal and Newcastle. So, you know, while while there have been you know, a few things to talk about going forwards, I think we do need to, to kind of praise the uh the defensive efforts because the, the two centre backs in particular have just been absolutely outstanding so far this season. Um, in a, in addition to, to Sam Johnson, who probably likely will earn another England call up this week. You know, he's done nothing to to warrant not getting that call up. So so that's been um great and, and provides that base to get types of wins that we did on Saturday. Okay, uh, right, join us after the break as we take your questions. And this week, hopefully no mention of Roy's comments after the game. Welcome back to this week's FYP podcast. Uh, before we get into listeners' questions, a quick mention for a very impressive range of results uh, across the club this weekend. Uh, Palace under-21 started the weekend on Friday night by seeing off their Leeds counterparts uh, 7-1 uh, away from home, so a result certainly not to be sniffed at. Uh, Saturday, in addition to, to the first team's 2-0 uh, win away at Burnley, the under-18s uh, beat Spurs under-18s 5-2. And on Sunday, the weekend was capped off uh, very nicely by the Palace women's team seeing off uh, Watford 3-0. Uh, Zach Marsh continuing his outstanding season for the under-18s uh, with the first half hat-trick. Um, and Palace women's impressive away win um, sees them consolidate fourth spot in the championship, but with a game in hand, um, which if they win, would put them just a point behind league leader Sunderland. So exciting results uh, for teams across the club. Um, and uh, yeah, it's uh, it's lovely when <laughs> everyone's winning. Uh, regardless of which team they're playing in. So uh, lovely stuff. Okay, on to questions. And I'm delighted to say that after JD's whinge last week that we don't receive emails. She received a couple this week. So thank you for uh, taking the time to write to us this week, listeners. Um, one did focus on our midfield. So I'm going to put that one to, to you both. Um, this is from uh, John Halman. Uh, Dear FY peers, uh, following last week's lament on the pitiful emptiness of your email inbox, thought I would attempt to part fill the void by sending in a question. Uh, does decorate Lerman Hughes work as a midfield three? If not, then what would be the best combo? Can Ahamada replace Hughes and demonstrate a Gallagher like engine to uh, to allow Eze a freer role, perhaps from the lift? Uh, love the pod. Keep on casting. Thank you, John. Thank you for your email. Dom, with Ebbs back following his uh, lovely cameo, as Joe said, didn't really do much other than get an assist. Um, his lovely cameo on Saturday. Does he come in at the top of the midfield three, perhaps uh, in front of Shetakora and Jefferson Lerma, um, or play elsewhere. And, and following on from John's question, what do you see being Ahamada's role in the squad between now and the end of the season? Um, well, I, I think they changed formation again. I think they started this season as effectively as a 4-2-3-1, um, with Ezra either playing as a 10 or on the left of the three behind a striker. Um and I suspect that's what they'll go back to. I, I, I mean, that combination of Lerma, Decore, and Hughes is it, it has been picked out of necessity. Nothing else. I mean, I, I don't think that 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 would be the that would be Roy Hodgson's first choice midfield to start a game if everybody was fit. 
So, especially when you go back to the to the early games of the season, where we were we were looking at the combination of Dakure and, and Lerma as I mean, they were revelatory. They were just so dynamic in there. Lerma's catching up still. He still he looks rusty. He looks like a player that's had a period out of the team, a period without football. So that undoubtedly he needs he needs more game time. He would have benefited from playing um, ninety minutes at Turf Moor. Uh, Decore, slight concern that he comes off because I don't think you take Chick Decore off the pitch mm. unless he's been booked um, early, and he wasn't booked, and he came off before the hour mark for Eza, which strikes me as strange if he wasn't carrying a knock, or maybe he was back in that red zone, uh, and that maybe the medical staff had warned. Roy, that you know, our tops for that game, but that's clearly something they're managing. If it, if it, if it, that is the case, but if they're all fit, they're all firing. Then you play Lerma and Dakura as a two, and then you probably Elise, Eza, and I mean, ideally, ultimately, further down the line, Franca. But are you in there at the moment? Definitely, and then Edouard up top because he's got four goals from ten appearances this season. That would be Palace's first choice eleven. Um, as for Ahamada, he's very hit and miss. I mean, look, we're all talking now on the back of a good cameo, but there have been bad cameos as well where he's been completely anonymous. There have been games where he started in the League Cup where he hasn't he hasn't grasped that opportunity to impress. Definite energy in there. Um, and I suspect that he's... I suspect he has to be one of the three behind the striker as opposed to one of the two in front of the back four because he probably doesn't have the discipline yet um given his inexperience and 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 age um to to for Roy to trust him in one of those two positions i think he's he's better as a sort of marauding player anyway he's got that box to box dynamism that we that we'd want in one of those three three roles i mean even when gallagher was playing and we were playing three in midfield he was the one that was pushing on um of the of the of that three so i think he would he he was that 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 type of player so but to be honest, if they're all fit and they're all coming back now, I suspect his role for the immediate future and probably for this season in general is as an impact sub. Beating appearances here and there to you see off the last 10-15 minutes. But it, as you say, it was an impressive uh, cameo and, and the fact that Roy did put him on, I guess, is a sign that there is a degree of trust. We, we often hear about Roy's trust in players and the supposed nature of having to earn his trust. So the fact that he played quite a lot through preseason suggests that Roy is happy to deploy him, Joe. And, and as you mentioned to him, I guess I'll give you a chance to kind of uh, yeah talk a little bit about Ahamada's performance as you saw it live. Uh, yeah, I think he he made a difference in putting a bit more pressure upon the Burnley defence, who are obviously trying to keep you know keep putting the ball back into the Palace half as we, they, they were trying to squeeze for an equaliser. And I think he just hurried them along a little bit. It wasn't a massive amount on the ball from him, from what I can recall. Um, that was really game changing, but I, I didn't think it had to be. And I think the the, sec- the second goal is just a great example of anticipating a kind of defensive mistake, and also knowing to stay out of the way of the the Tyrick Mitchell. There's a there's a scenario where they run into each other and both fall over, which wouldn't have been a massive surprise. I think Mitchell uh, Mitchell um, Ahmada's was really unlucky. It just, it just when you look back already in those few weeks ago of just how ridiculous the situation was going into the Forest game, where that would have been ample opportunity mm. for him to kind of step in and go, okay, this is my moment. I'm going to start in probably my preferred position as well, and he's injured as well for that game. So we we don't we never really even 
got that he never really got that opportunity to grasp at. I think a lot of his time on the pitch for Palace, certainly uh, since Hodgson's come in, has been almost in a, one of the wider roles here and there I've, I've, we've seen. And again, there's a, to repeat a word that Dom's used already, which is often that's been out of necessity. I, I, I don't think it's necessarily where Roy might think that's where I think your future is on, on the pitch. But we're just trying to fill some gaps and, you know, players are tired. You're, you're one of our options and we're having a few square pegs um, when, when it comes to subs coming on. Yeah, as as everyone comes fit, it probably reduces his opportunities again and game time because he... Of this period where players further down the squad have been having more chances uh, in the team, I don't think Ahamad is necessarily one of those that has really won from the last month or so in the same way that prior to his injury, poor guy, Jezrak Saki has kind of imprinted himself a bit more into the the, the main kind of first team setup. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see. I mean, he may even be a candidate for a loan in January if if uh, if he's feet are too itchy. But um, although I wouldn't imagine we'd let anyone else go at the moment. Be amazed <laughs> if that. I mean, I know what you mean because he he looks like a player that needs more games under his belt. He needs to sort of get used to the rhythm of English football and the, and yeah, uh, yeah and, and 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 getting getting some more minutes. But but yeah, he, he, we're not in a position where we can loan first team players out. I mean, he's a first team squad player. But he, I mean, there's not a lot of pace in this team. That was why Tottenham could play such a high line against us. Yeah, he, yeah. he does have a bit about him yeah. in that sense. He's not blistering pace, but it's 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 energy, it's it's aggression to his game. And he just needs to. I'm sure. I'm sure it'll come. It's it, it's a matter of how much he learns and 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 seizing the opportunities that come his way. It's not easy for him at all as a fringe player. But you know, if 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 Palace can stumble across a, a system, I mean, for example, if he he's not a creative number ten, but but maybe in that sort of box to rocks role, maybe running from slightly deeper, he could have filled that central void, void that they've given to to Will Hughes in recent weeks um, potentially. But he was Hughes was fit and playing and in the team and doing quite well uh, at a period when Ahamada wasn't, as, as in he wasn't fit. It, 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 just in regard to um, to what he's done, I think it's your colleague at the Athletic. I was listening to one of the podcasts that, that comes out of the Athletic stable, and I think it's Tim Spears was talking about the fact Will Hughes was deployed as Palace's number ten was to do a job on um, Eve Basuma as a as a kind of a man marking job. That I'll be honest, completely bypassed me, but that might have been four points before the game. I may not have been looking at that properly, but if that was the case for that game, Roy went with it again for for this one and. You know, it, it didn't really impact us going forward, and, and you will hope that that experiment, that necessity, is now done and dusted, well, yeah. and, and we go back to, to to playing players in the positions where we hope that they would do. Because once Will Hughes did go back to players, you know, one of the pivots next to Jefferson Lerma, he looked quite tidy and, and way more comfortable than he does as, as the ten. Yeah, look, um, there was a period early in Wayne, Will Hughes' career where people saw him as a creative midfielder, and when it maybe was when it was Derby and, and doing doing well and forging his reputation. But that's that period's gone. I think he's a different player now to the the, the player that um, that joined the club. I think I think when he in the cameos that he played initially under Vieira, there were there were occasions where he did break the lines. He did he did get through on goal. He didn't score many, but occasionally, particularly late on in games, he he would find himself in scoring opportunities. But that doesn't really happen at the moment either. But he he he's endearing and he's he's easy to like because he puts himself about and he's got 
peroxide blonde hair and people notice him doing the job that he's doing now another player that we'll probably come on to who gets a lot of criticism is Jeffrey Schlupp who we don't notice what he's doing because but, but maybe, maybe if Jeffrey Schlupp had peroxide blonde hair we would I don't know that's 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 me just um surmising uh, uh, you know speculating there it's it's it is easy to like Will Hughes on the pitch, but I don't. He's clearly not going to be the the creative number ten that's going to unlock players. But the only reason he's in that team, as we said before, is because Palace don't have any other options. They really don't. And and I, I listened. I mean, listen on the on the post match pod. There was a lot of talk about how Matthias Franza could do that role as a number ten. Well, I'm sorry, but we've just gone into this game having lost our last two, and it's against a team that have are desperate for a home point, let alone Absolutely a home win. Form. Yeah. yeah, and if, we, if if he's in there and he's anonymous and he struggles, I don't know where his career goes from there, early days, to be honest. And Palace are not in a position, or weren't in a position going into that match where they could afford to let that happen. He had to go with experience and older heads. And yes, it's, it's asking Will Hughes to do something that he's not naturally going to do well. Um, but we just had to get through those games, and we even even in that scenario, we had enough quality to to overcome a a Burnley team that's really going to struggle. Yeah, right. I, I just just in terms of, of Burnley going to struggle this season, I, I did. I love Roy. I love Roy to bits. Listeners know how much I, I love Roy. But I did enjoy him. Uh, at, I think at game it was his match of the day interview, saying that um, not many clubs here, uh, not many clubs will come here and win this season. And I think Palace are the sixth that have done so. I think Burnley have broken the record. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, I think Roy ever the diplomat trying to trying to be nice. We, we let's let's leave that one there. I think hopefully we'll see the midfield that that we all want to this coming Saturday. Um, quick, it's interesting to go, go on, Joe. Quick note on that. Just you mentioned France, and I I actually think it probably will later on in the season. I think it will be a mercy that he wasn't thrown into that game yeah, because quite right. 100%. warming up, he was, he was dressed for the, the sort of the Arctic. Uh, I've not seen a snood on a footballer for a while. And, and he really was kind of <laughs> like, Oh, right. Well, it was a real welcome to England uh, look to him. And yeah, I, I just think that would have been the wrong game to, but as Burnley were having a lot of the ball because, you know, just the, the way the nature of the game was. And I don't think, that that yeah, that, uh, uh, a bad performance there, or a similar one to what uh, Ebbs gave for the majority of his. I think it would have just been not the the kind of introduction he needed, probably for a more f- flourishing long term at Palace. Yeah, let's get him back to Southampton and give him twenty minutes when we're two and a half or something. Yeah. Hopefully, that type of <laughs> type of situation is what he really needs. He needs to yeah. have a bit of comfort. Come on, show a couple of tricks, and and we'll all hopefully fall in love with him very quickly. But I'm with you both. I think to chuck him in against. Um, Burnley would have would have been very difficult. Just not a question, but very quick. I think we should just mention um, and, and wish him all the best. But to Jezrak Saki, who suffered, uh, well, sounds like quite a serious injury, another hamstring injury, sadly. So, you know, while Jez might have been able to to pick up a few more minutes between now and Christmas, it looks as though um, that may not be the case. So, um, thankfully, Michael Lise is due back any day now. Um, just in terms of the people, some people's feeling that you know, despite the before, just, sorry, despite the three points. The performance still was an issue. I'm going to ask a question, which you know, fairly provocative from Patrick Deco. A win is a win, of course, but can we really be happy with these awful tactics from Roy? Being outplayed by a Championship standard side is embarrassing. Any team in the top 15 would have buried us today. Um, I'm not going to ask you to, to comment on the question. I think the previous answers that, that you've both given um, in this episode and previous, you know, uh, kind of indicates that the, the pragmatic approach that Roy has taken with the players available to him. 
But Joe, I just want to kind of pose to you, are you expecting a significant change in our approach simply with the return of, of Ebsen and Michael Lise to the first team? Um, because from my perspective, surely the absence of their quality is the only reason why we've played so pragmatically. When those two players come back in, the style of the team changes because two players of such quality are added to the to the team. It, it, for me, it's as simple as that, and we will see a, a change in style, albeit on the on the base of the foundation that is set by Gay, Anderson, Decore, Lerma, the goalkeeper. But from your perspective, are you expected to see a change in intact? I am. Often, it, I'm not even sure if it's a change in approach. It's it's a change in what those players ahead of the kind of back five or six are capable of doing. I, I, I thought the first half against Newcastle was a, a really clear example of defenders and the midfielders trying to get the ball out, getting it to an Edward or a Mateta, or even in that case, Ayu in that game as well. And they kind of look around and they are totally isolated, no real kind of support. And they lose the ball and they, you know, they're barely over the halfway line and another, another wave comes towards the, the palace rear guard. And I've, you've got that at Burnley as well. I, I, the defense are doing their job as, as much as they can. And the midfield, I, you know, as much as I said, Lerma was quite sloppy uh, in passing, you know, we're still winning a fair bit of the ball. Schlupp's throwing himself about. But actually, when the time came to carry the ball, that well, there wasn't a lot of that. And I do think those players in those positions, being Ebrichieza and Michael Elise, can just kind of transform that approach from being one that feels just once more over the top that to actually we can hold up the ball here. We can create something. We can allow people to catch up. It doesn't have to just be can I you win a foul? Actually, there's some other opportunities to supplement that. Um, and yes, it doesn't have to change much in personnel to just for that same approach to be way more effective in the way that we saw it at the back end of last season. I don't, I don't think it will take much, very much at all. Well, if you think it didn't take much time for for Roy to adopt that approach with uh, with Ebbs, who he did have in his first spell, but not with Michael Elise, didn't take long for him to kind of trust in their ability and and get them dictating the way we played. Don, obviously, we do talk about you know the atmosphere among the fans um, with, with Roy very often, but I'm, I was going to put a fairly simple one to you: Are you quite excited just to see Michael Elise back playing in a Palace shirt because he's just one of those players? I am, yeah. I, I'm very much looking forward to seeing him and and Eze on, on the same pitch together. And and, and Lise is a joy to watch. However, I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna be accused of being a horrific pessimist here. <laughs> we it's not as if their return is going to transform Crystal Palace into this glorious attacking unit that's going to rip people to shreds every week. It, it might do if we were playing at home to Luton, or if we were playing Burnley at home, or maybe in the Bournemouth game, which is coming up next month, I think. But are we really thinking that we're going to go into Liverpool, Man City, Brighton, Chelsea, Brentford, those matches in, in the remainder of the follow up to the end of December and going to basically just outplay them at football with, with those two players on the pitch? I, I just don't think we are. I, I suspect what will happen. One thing we have forgotten because we we we've scored three goals in what, four or five games now, or whatever it is. Um, when when Palace had Eza and Elise on the pitch, and actually Zaha on the pitch, one of our biggest complaints was, wasn't was that we weren't creating anything, it was actually a profligacy. We didn't, we did create things, we missed them. 
if we if we had taken our chances, then Patrick Vieira's team might have qualified for Europe in his first season. Um, and last season certainly wouldn't have been the stressful period in the middle that it was that cost him his job. I don't see how that's going to change. You know, if, with these two back in the team, I don't think suddenly we're going to be scoring four and five, where, where at the moment we're struggling to score one or two. I suspect that, that Edouard and Mateta, whoever's leading the line, will get a lot of chances. I'm not, there's no guarantee they're going to put them away. I mean, Edouard's been done well um, at the start of the season and was very good with quick crosses into the box from either side, delivered by left-footed players from the left and right-footed players from the right. Well, Michael Alise is about to come back into the team and he's a left-footed player that's playing on the right. So it's it may not play to his strengths either. So they're going to be different things that we're going to be sitting here complaining about in the weeks ahead. But they will be decorated by Eza doing wonderful things on a football pitch and Alise doing wonderful things on a football pitch in isolation, in tandem, bringing them other things. And, and, and their mere presence, as we said before, their mere presence will liberate others. And hopefully that means that we do create more chances. And fingers crossed, we actually take some of them because that's been the problem that we've had in recent seasons. But Don, won't it be nice to have a different negative to talk about? Oh, yeah, definitely. Oh, we all love a different negative. Listener, stay tuned for the different wi- the different whines and moans of, of later November and, and, and <laughs> December as we approach the new year. We'll, we'll mix it up in terms of, of the negative. But you are right. You know, the, the, the issues against... Um, or the accusations against Roy is that he, you know, is very comfortable against teams in and around us. But the fixtures that Michael Elise in particular is going to come back for are fixtures against teams that are currently, you know, hovering in the top half of the table. More than hovering, they're they're, they're living there. City, Liverpool, um, yeah, there are some mid-table fodder. Chelsea, uh, Brentford, you know, there <laughs> there is some rubbish. We have to but... remember priorities as well and context. This club has to stay in the division. Okay, are we. we we started this. I started this by saying that it's unlikely that Palace will get drawn into a relegation battle. But actually, probably the sight of what Luton did to Liverpool on Sunday should have a few people thinking. Well, maybe they're not the cannon fodder that everybody thinks they are. Um, Sheffield United don't look great, but they've now won a game. You never know what transformative effect that might have on their season. Um, and Burnley, you'd imagine that they if they weren't so naive with some of their their, their, their attacking play, or actually their approach to the game. In general, and they cut out a few of the uh, silly mistakes that allow Palace to win two. They might pose a bit of a threat. So, so we until they're safe, until they've got thirty plus points and they're well clear of trouble. Roy's always got to have it in his mind that he's got to keep this team up. That was his brief. That is what he's been told to do. This club cannot afford to go down with the plans it's got for this stadium. It needs to be in the Premier League. So. As we saw in most of Roy's seasons, even the, even those that were had brilliant endings, brilliant finales, where we were tearing people to pieces and, and scoring wonderful goals, etc., it was pragmatic. It was pragmatic up to a point that Palace got safe, and then they used to go on these amazing runs where, which sort of got everybody thinking this is going to be brilliant. A lot of optimism going into the summer. It has to. That's the way it has to be at a club of Palace's size. Unfortunately, you just got to stay up first, and then hopefully you do that soon enough that 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 things improve. And I'm not including the COVID years in that because I know those seasons ended badly, but, but actually the, the first and second season and yeah. yeah. And last season as well, with yeah. the, when the fixes were tidy, as soon as we got safe, we, the handbrake came off. Yeah. It, it's a, uh, it's an interesting one. And, and with Roy having 38 games rather than just the 10, there will be these runs where, uh, you know, the, the results are not especially flattering, but it is why, 
wins like Saturday are as important because they do keep that that gap. We, we've just talked about, you know, the, the main aim being keeping up, getting people excited for certain things. The transfer windows are, are one of them. Um, so the final question this week, and it's uh, ringing the transfer, the January transfer window bell for the first time so far this season. Uh, Exile Selhurst asks, given our obvious inability to create or score goals, commented on that previously so far this, this episode, do the panel think the owners will address this in January? Um, or will they hope Elise Eze returning and staying fit will see us safe? Uh, Joe, jo, I'll come to you on, on that one just quick. Let's just we'll, we'll just touch on this one very briefly because obviously it's, it's still six weeks away until the window opens or even longer than that. Um, we've all got family Christmases to yeah. <laughs> to get through before we can uh, start reading the uh, the January transfer rumours too much. But oh, they began um, already. They've already started. Have, saw, have we had any names linked with us? I saw so Ben Brereton Diaz in the oh yes in the amongst the, the, the timeline today. Palace, Burnley, and other Championship clubs. I mean, he wants escape. Of... He wants escape from the Yellow Submarine. Does he? he wants out? I, I don't think he's had much of an impact there. I, the source was Team Talk, I believe. So I don't really, you know, take take as much as you want from that. I'm not sure the uh, validity you, 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 of. You of mentioned his name when the Athletic are running, isn't that right, Dom? It's, it's only, uh... Why would Palace sign, sign a player from Villarreal, presumably for eight figures that they could have got for free in the summer? Yeah, yeah. Have that one, Team Talk. There you go. Uh, it was, I think it is mooted as a loan. As a, he's available for a loan, okay. which I don't know whether that changed anything, but... Um, that move's worked out well for him, then, hasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> um, he only understands Spanish with a, a, a Lancashire accent. <laughs> Have you heard his mother uh, speak? I think, I think it is. Um, but I, I imagine we'll be in the market, of course. I mean, even in more pressing times, Steve Harris has been quite keen to let people know that January is a really bad month well, to be shopping. It's, it's funny you say that. So I didn't, I, I excluded it from going through the question, but there are brackets in Exile Seller's question of Q inevitable Paris's quote of it's a tough market cliche. <laughs> yeah. so. he, he does like to remind us. And uh, I think that has been demonstrated in various Januaries where, I mean, nothing will top the, the racket and, oh. uh, Who's the yeah. other? Is Yak uh, Yaris, in that window? Yaroslav Yak, yeah. Yep. yeah. Um, I think I think no signers was better than than that window in the end. But <laughs> yeah, I, I imagine we're going to look around, but wherever uh, there won't be value, I, I'd be shocked if there's a steal in there somewhere. I imagine it'll be a very speculative um, signings. I mean, Mateta's actually a really good example of that. Yeah, yeah. Someone that's got a quite reasonable goal scoring record in the first half of the season, but probably you know, there's there's not. It's a real gamble, and it's. I, I think the money. A lot. Yeah, the, that wasn't that one wasn't the gamble because the deal they got for him was so true. good. Yeah, I mean, was, actually, for what he's contributed, that was brilliant. Really worked out okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I guess it's more the budgets that we're probably looking at the, the 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 price ranges of players we're in the market for. There's no kind of dead cert with who we're going to get in the forward areas anyway. I, I think you can, you can get your money's worth in midfield, and as we have done, actually, recently, I think it's tougher with strikers. I, I really do. I do wonder, and I'll, I'll put this one to Dom, whether there might be a little bit more urgency. <laughs> I, I laugh because we've had years to do this, but whether or not right-back is becoming an increasing problem. I say that with a heavy heart, obviously, as, as a huge fan of Joel Ward, but the fact that your right-back is having to be pulled after 70 minutes because wingers are, are tearing up. Or do you think that is a, a tactical approach in that we are, with, with more substitutions, we will see full-backs rotate a little bit more in match than we have done previously, I think Definitely, given the rush of games that's about to happen, I think Klein and 
Ward will definitely be interchangeable, not within games, but probably, yeah, as you say, you know, one will take midweek, one will take Saturday, etc. I, yeah, I, I suspect that the right back situation is one that they, they address next summer. I suspect that most of it they address next summer. Everything about, and this isn't just Palace, this is, this is, this is a lot of clubs in, of Palace's level. And to that, I'm probably counting teams from eighth to Brighton get into that. Probably they're probably in the top eight. So probably ninth down to 15th. I, I think they'll look at this season and think, as long as we're sensible, as long as we don't have some dreadful injury crisis or cal- calamitous loss of confidence, we're going to be fine this year because the three promoted teams and Bournemouth essentially look as if they're weaker than everybody else. Um, even I'm qualifying that having just said that they might revive and that's always got, that's, that's always at the back of your mind. But generally speaking, I think a lot of clubs are just looking at that thinking we'll, we'll be able to get through this season, which means that everything about the season becomes a holding pattern. It's, it's just get through it and not least because we've got a manager on a one-year contract in yeah, charge. Yeah, I mean, yeah. everything everything about this club at the moment is sort of Oops, a bit temporary, apart from the contracts that they're they're offering and, and getting players to sign, which is brilliant, by the way, absolutely fantastic. And should Can we touch on that, Dom? Is there any any progress do you think being made behind the scenes in terms of? I guess every chairs is probably the one that most fans want. Uh, I, tied up there, there does seem to be murmurs of, of that one moving. Yeah, on well, I mean, Roy Roy came out and and, and said it on Friday. It's I think it's. I think I don't think it's been an easy process, and and I suspect that there there could still be the twists. I think there have been twists in the last week in terms of negotiations and what's being asked um, on the players' side. But I'd be now having having initially thought there's absolutely zero chance of of, of him signing a new contract. I've actually gone the other way, and I think it's really. I think it's far more likely that he does than he doesn't, which is absolutely brilliant. I mean, again, it doesn't contracts are particularly these days, particularly when you're a club that is is basically telling players, young players, come to us, play games with us in the Premier League, and you'll get your dream move somewhere else to a Champions League club. At some point, you're going to have to sell some of these players. No, we don't. We haven't done that yet. Apart from Aaron Wan-Bissaka, and that was in a, from a different era, and the youth team player, at some point Palace are going to have to make sales. Otherwise, the system doesn't work, and, and you can only hoodwink players for a certain amount of time. You can't have a, a team that is going to see out their contracts and eventually leave on on freeze because they've just been at the club forever. Because We're they all don't thirty-four want to now. Well, exactly. <laughs> They're all like a team full of Wilfred Zaha's, which is great in some levels, but not on others. Um, the business plan, the business model needs some sales. And, you know, we will all rile at them in the summer when they happen because yeah. it will be like, but hold on, he signed a new contract or he, he's, he, I thought he was committed. And well, well, yes, but for this club to be self-sustainable and, and to have money to play with in the market, it needs to sell players that do what Brighton do. Sorry, do what yeah. Brighton do. That's what they have yeah. to do. Um, so that is, but but to do that and to make that work, those players have got to be on long-term deals, and that's what they're sorting out now, which is brilliant. Yeah. Well, exciting news about Ebbs, and, and hopefully there's some movement on that one. But, yeah, I, I dare say some of the, the jewels in the crown may well feature in our, our next part, 3-2-1. Um, and we should be savouring some of these players because they are top-rate. Thank you, everybody, for submitting your questions this week. Uh, we didn't get through that many there, but... Um, really helpful to to kind of get your question to give us an idea of uh, of your thoughts while we uh, record the pod so um thank you to everyone that submitted questions another chance for questions uh next week thank you gents for answering uh, those ones that i put to you join us after the break 
Um, and uh, it'll be time for this week's three, two, one. Welcome back to part three of this week's FYP podcast, and it's time for this week's three, two, one. Um, hopefully, this week's a little easier to talk through the week's nominees um, after a win compared to the previous couple of weeks where it has been <laughs> fairly uh, fairly difficult to to pick. Uh, Don, let's uh, let's go to you first. Uh, who are you nominating for three, two, one? Um, well, probably, possibly, controversially, not least because my colleague. Matt Wiesnam at the Athletic that wrote his match piece on on Jeffrey Schlupp and how actually he's he, he doesn't actually contribute very much despite the fact that he he scored the opening goal at Turf Moor. I, I'm going to go for for Jeffrey just because I think he's he's had quite a sort of groundswell of discontent aim, aimed at him despite the fact that he is doing a as good a job as you could possibly hope for a player that's not playing in his position anymore. And I know, I know there was a time when Jeffrey Schlupp was like seen as a jack of all trades that could play anywhere, including, you know, from fullback to striker, but he's not that player anymore. He's, he's in his thirties now. He He's a seasoned veteran um, and an older member of this, this team, but a player in whom Roy Hodgson clearly has complete trust. Uh, he's played as a 10 in recent weeks. I didn't think he was particularly convincing in them in the, in the way that, you'd like a 10 to be, but then I'm comparing him to Eberichieza at his best or Michael Elise or a player of that ilk. He's played on the left. Again, you know, he's no Eza playing on the left, but I don't think it's a massive coincidence that that jo- it was Joel Ward who came off at Turf Moor because he was having such a torrid time. And the, and I usually praise Jordan Ayew for the impact that he makes in helping his fullback out. But on the other side, Jeffrey Schlepp did a very quiet and diligent job helping Tyrek Mitchell through that match. Um, scored a goal with with a with what was used to be a trademark burst through from midfield. That's what we like to see him play as an eight who had those those when he's on on song and firing and fully fit. He used to make those bursts from midfield and 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 be a a real goal threat in the in the penalty area and he did that for the fantastically timed run which was picked out by a brilliant Jordan Ayew pass but I just think I just think we, we have to remember what Jeffrey Schlupp is what he can do and what he's the effort that he's putting in at Crystal Palace at the moment which I think is is superb really also put, remember the context of why he wasn't playing at the end of last season I know it wasn't it hasn't been elaborate, elaborated on by the club um, and it shouldn't be. It's it's completely private. But when a manager comes out and says he's not in the team for personal reasons, for reasons that you know it should be kept private, you got you got to appreciate there is an issue there. And he's he's come back in this this season, and I think he's 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 really helped out a team that's a squad that's horribly stretched and done a job the job that's been asked of him in every position. And he's put up with the boo boys, and that's. I, you know, I wonder whether that little cup to the ear in front of the away fans was a little reminder. Hold on a second. I put a shift in for you guys every week well, as much as I can. And, you know, we should appreciate him a bit more. Wonderfully put, Dom. I think um, my only disappointment about Tyreek Mitchell scoring the second in the 94th minute was that 
before the game, I had said 1-0 Palace, Jeffrey Schlupp, because it had it written all <laughs> over it for, for, for me. Uh, I, I think you say a lot of good things about uh, Jeffrey Schlupp, and I don't disagree with a word of them. What I would kind of just kind of echo, I guess, is the bloke's ability to time runs into the box. I've said it for a long time. I think he's the club's best finisher. And by, by finish, I don't just mean putting the ball in the net. I, I mean his instinct in terms of when to enter the box, when to actually become that kind of ghost runner. Um, it, it's 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 not to be ignored. He's, he's you know, when he comes to end his time in a Palace shirt, whenever that will be, he'll have scored some really important goals for this football club. And um, I'm, I'm delighted he he had his moment on, on Saturday. And as you say, Dom, wasn't just the goal. He did a lot of good work going back the other way. Um, supported Tyreek Mitchell very, very well and, and probably had one of his best games of the season so far. So lovely to get a, a mention for for Jeffrey. In terms of in terms of Jeffrey Schlupp, two appearances from entering the top 50 appearances for Palace of all time. So, um, you know, <laughs> you could say what you want about Jeffrey Schlupp, but he um, he's, he's played a lot of games for Palace and, and made a lot of important contributions. And I think three of us, every listener will know Ideally, Jeffrey Schlupp is not starting games for Palace in 22-23. Uh, sorry, 23-24. But there's a need for him to be starting games and the manager trusts him. And he's a, he's a great... Roy, Joe, go on, you, you chuck your he, praise on Jeffrey. He, he's a great 12th man. He, you know, yeah. That's someone that you absolutely need in your squad. And yes, you're right. Probably not a starter when everyone's fit, but no team has a fit their best starting level fit all season. And... I, I think people forget that when they, it's, I don't know if it's familiarity breeding contempt with uh, with Schlupp because, I mean, he, there was even a moment in the first half at Turf Moor where he dances past three or four players and makes the kind of, oh, yeah, it's still in there a little bit. You know, I'm not, I, I think it's silly to expect it as someone, as, as Dom says, is I think he's 31 next month, which, you know, it's not really old, but if someone who is known for these kind of dynamic bursts of pace, that's going to slow down naturally and he's going to have to adapt. Um, I think he was more than entitled to cup his ear, and he even does it with a little bit of a kind of tongue in cheek as he's doing it. I, I think I think he's entitled to give it back totally. I, he must know. I, it's not so much straight booing at Sellers in certain games, but you, you do hear the groans when if, if a misplaced pass. He he must know, and there's definitely uh, a disproportionate number of memes. Uh, amongst certain circles of Palace online that involve Jeffrey Schlupp being kind of the worst player in the world. And I, yeah, I just don't, he's being asked to do something that isn't really his strength anymore. And I feel like other players uh, would get a lot of kind of similar players being asked to do similar roles in this team right now. Don't get half the grief. And uh, I, yeah, I just think, I just think it's bizarre. And I, actually really pleased that he scored that goal for those reasons really it was a nice moment for him that that point you made about the squad sorry joe just you're spot on on that absolutely i mean you listen to Ange postacoglu talking the other day about how you can't have 24 world-class players in a team because it's a a squad because it simply doesn't work you need you need players that are who will prepare to come on and do cameos who are prepared to come in on the when then the first choice is a are unavailable and and do a job and that's exactly what Jeffrey Schlupp does if if Palace had if Palace had 12 13 you know players like like your your gays fairness we're pretty much almost there I mean Anderson Gay you know Mitchell to a certain extent definitely uh, the goalkeepers the 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 creative players your two midfielders if you have all of those and you have and around the rest of the squad, you have people like Jeffrey Schlupp who will come in and do a selfless job for the team uh, when they're needed. Then 
you're laughing uh, like as a, as a club like Palace. You, you really are. And we do talk pound for pound signings. I think the bloke cost what 10, 11 million pounds, Dom, seven years ago yeah. in the Allardyce window. So no, we, we've certainly earned. Well, he outlasted the left back that, uh, that that joined in the same window, didn't true, he? True, true enough. Yeah, absolutely, he did. Um, just in terms of appearances, and I know not everyone's up for for all the stats, but just behind Jeffrey Schlupp is, is Jordan Ayew. So um, wow. both of those about to enter the top fifty uh, appearance makers for, for Palace. So uh, yeah, shout out to them. Not to preempt who you might be picking, Joe, but just a quick mention for Jordan Ayew. Um, his assist, very similar assist to the Edward goal on the opening day of the season two. Um, so he's delighted for him to to get. I know stats don't really matter, but to follow up uh, a goal the previous match with an assist is just showing that he's not only his endeavour throughout a game, but his actual output is is also there impacting results in the Premier League too. Bamboozled that centre half <laughs> who had to who had to do a, a social media apology post. Oh, did blamed, he? Blamed himself for the defeat. It was that bad. I've never. Yeah. It was really bizarre. He kind of was. Sort of, kind of lost where I was, and then kept stumbling back towards the halfway line. Yeah, he fell he over in the wrong direction, which is I know Jordan I use magic, but that was quite something. That was uh, that yeah. was a bit different. Um, Joe, go on. Who's your nominee for this week's three two one? It's it's going to be Anderson. I, I I thought he really relished the the challenge of of the game. Second half, especially, there were there were a few moments where. Um, with Ward and Klein, actually, where um, Koliosho was it, and then 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 his replacement, really targeting that that side, and they did get in behind a few times, as deep as Palace were in those moments, and it was cleared up by Anderson with some really great last ditch tackles. Um, was not afraid to get into a physical battle with the Jay Rodriguez types that uh, was, was there before him, and again plays this. He's our playmaker at the moment, and as, as <laughs> things are, um, the IU got the sorry the Schlup goal is is a quite actually hopeful ball really, but it's an Anderson ball over the top that IU eventually makes something from, and I, I'll have to look at it again. It wouldn't shock me if the uh, if the second goal is actually a, an Anderson ball. I, from I think that well. is the the one that Dar Shea can't yeah. do much about. Yeah, yeah, I think that is a, an Anderson ball chopped into the channel. Yeah, yeah, and when you think there's been obviously more explicit obvious versions of, of Anderson's creativity in in games recently. Um I just I just he has become I often say to people that don't watch us regularly that I think Mark's ceiling is higher but Anderson is in the form of his life and has been but it's now been a year maybe or, or certainly several months of playing at this level and really influencing everything that's good about our play in both directions. He's, I, I, utterly, he's utterly outstanding, the guy. It's, I'm so impressed, and I, I'm glad that it's happening for us. He had a great loan spell at Fulham, but I looked at his career prior to us joining, and I think, oh, what went wrong? At, what, how come someone like someone as good as him, it does? how come it doesn't work out at Lyon or, or Sampdoria? Mm. And what, what, what's what, Maybe he's a soft touch, and that's what it felt like early doors in his spell, but just improved so much, and I probably... I'm a big IE supporter and who was another really good performance on the weekend. I, I think Anderson is beginning to actually make some uh, space between him and, and everybody else as for player of the season so far. Yeah, and I think that may well be the case with, <laughs> with where we end up with 3-2-1 with here. I, I watched back the 90 minutes yesterday and Anderson's performance was really good watching it back. But it was one of those performances 
that struck me was probably even better in person. Just the way he he controls the back line, the way he controls the players in front of him. Um, and he was dealing with the right back who was having quite a torrid afternoon at times as well, as you say, Joe. So um, I think Joe Anderson is, is probably playing the best football of his of his career right now. Um, he's been absolutely brilliant and has the technical ability to impact us going the other way when there aren't many players that are able to do that at the moment, given the absences. Dom, I think last time you came on, we, we waxed lyrical about Joe Commanderson, but to give you another couple of minutes to to show some uh, some love to our uh, Danish centre half, if, if you would like. Oh, I think you both you both done it perfectly. The, the, the fellow is outstanding. His partner in that back line is outstanding. Um, there will be people that that will be kicking themselves that they didn't pick him up from Lyon. Uh, they'll be baffled as to why their scouting departments didn't earmark this fella because he's so classy um yeah let's let's revel in it because yeah the best the best pairing that we've had yeah Dob, you're talking about earlier the 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 need to sort of move some of these players on in order for the model to work anderson a couple of years older than some of those examples that were probably in your head but given the form that he's in has he now thrown himself into contention of being one of those players we might have oh. to see off to get re- we'll get some really the profit margin will be out will be immeasurable yeah. but slightly unexpected i guess yeah i think they they knew that they were signing a that they were signing a really good player and at a decent price as well i think he was the most expensive of the signings that summer uh, but even at 15 million or whatever it was, it, it was it was a good price for for the player. And it took a lot of negotiation to get him out of out of Leon because I think Leon recognised that they, he was an asset to them. But yeah, he's 27, so he is a bit bit older. But then I suppose you look at the type of clubs that have that might come in for him. Um, I mean, Newcastle have liked him for a long time. I think they were sniffing around this, yeah in the summer. And and if you bring Joachim Anderson into a Champions League teams back line then he'll do a job immediately he gets yeah. into their team right now doesn't he Dom yeah he does it, yeah I mean I know, think they, they started and... the other day against Arsenal with Jamal Lascelles and, and Fabian Scher both of whom have their strengths but Jack Anderson is better than both of those players from, from my perspective yeah I mean I don't think that's I don't think that's Newcastle's first choice pairing no, I mean Sven Botman's Botman, injured at the moment yeah, yeah he's, a, he's a big miss for them but I think I think if you put Botman and Anderson together um, then that's that's really quite impressive as a as a as a centre half pairing. I mean, look I again. I'm in that horrible situation where we don't really want this to happen. But actually, it would actually probably make more sense for Palace to cash in on Anderson than any of the others because Anderson at 27, if he sticks back for another two years, his value does drop, however well he plays. So actually, Anderson being sold next summer would make more sense business wise to Palace than say. Gay leaving, I'm not. I'm not. You know, I don't want either this to happen. But I think that is there is a logic to that. But it would depend on the the offers that come. I, I suspect that Newcastle will will test test Palace with with interest to come the end of the season if they are a Champions League club again next year. Do you think he's playing so well that they might even be tempted for a January move? Newcastle, I not, think not Palace, Newcastle. But Newcastle. Newcastle slightly awkward there because they spent. I mean, they 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 are a club that tends to find money for opportunities. I mean, Anthony Gordon they didn't anticipate signing last January, but the price was there that they felt they could do. Um, the deal was right for them to do at that at that point. Um, they're in a slightly awkward position at the moment with FFP. 
that they need to comply with it. They just spent six, 56 million pounds on a player who can't play for 10 months now. Um, their priorities might be in midfield to replace him. But then, you know, yeah, course, you can only yeah. get so many, so many loans from Saudi Arabia to fill that particular mm-hmm. hole. Um, I, I suspect that he, I'd be surprised if he left mid-season. I, I think I think Palace would want him to stay, stick the season out with them and be impressed. And if he plays like this, then he's a 60, 70 million pound centre-half. And, and suddenly... Love then, his pick, won't he? Yeah, Newcastle coming for him then, or, or a Champions League club. I mean, comes in for him at that point, then... Then actually, probably go with Palace's blessing because I think they they would feel that they could find a player of a similar ilk for a lot less money, who's maybe a bit younger and a bit more unproven. Plus the fact they've got Chris Richards, incidentally. I was going to say an American international centre half. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, they, 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 yeah. there's plenty. They've they've done really well in terms of their defensive planning on that front. Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay, well, I'll I'll chuck into the mix. Um, Honourable mention for Tyree Mitchell. Lovely to see him grab a second. I thought he had a pretty good game as well. Um, but I'm going to go for Sam Johnston, who did make a uh, difference on, on Saturday. Uh, didn't think any of the saves were utterly world-class, but the, the save, the reaction stop from the, the corner, I thought was probably the pick of the lot because it yeah. comes at him so quickly. Um, and that point, it's 1-0 with 10 to go, and to, to kind of keep us ahead of that point was, was absolutely crucial, particularly how um, lacking in threat we were. So I'll, I'll put Sam Johnston forward. Um, not that this kind of matters in terms of the 3-2-1, but um, Dom, just a quick word on him signing a contract extension. Yeah, brilliant. I mean, it's that was a a bit of a surprise, I suppose, but it, but just because the club had invested so much in Dean Henderson, um, I'm not, I'm still not convinced. I mean, Selzy is a better person to judge this. I I don't know quite. I mean, if you look at the David Raya and and Aaron Ramsdale situation at Arsenal at the moment. It sort of feels that the manager picking one of them over the other suddenly has effectively damaged both of them and I do wonder whether that might be the case at some point at Palace it's not at the moment because Dean Henderson's got a bad injury um and for the foreseeable future won't be available but but now we've got a situation where it you know the man who's currently in the England squad who kept a clean sheet with England last month and will you know presumably have a chance in one of the two games coming up um this month uh is sort of a, He's playing out of his skin. He's 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 playing superbly well. So where does that leave Dean Henderson when he's back and fit again? And I can I sort of see the logic in that the, the, you know they'll they'll compete well and they'll you know by their mere presence will mean the other one can't let the guard down at any point and the standards will be, remain high. But I think at some point down the line there will be an issue. I mean there will be. There has to be an issue. These guys both want to be in the England squad and they can't be if they're both at Crystal Palace. Um, but for now, that's not a problem. It's great seeing what Sam Johnson's done. I really, I really like him. I think he's really impressive. He's done a couple of media interviews recently, one with The Guardian, one with the BBC. He's come across really well. Um, he's playing fantastically well. Uh, and good luck to him, quite frankly. He deserves he deserves the contract for his for his uh, his performances of late and the way that he's stepped up and replaced a, a player that I think we all agree Richard to Greiter last season and the last few years have been superb and we never yeah. really saw him losing his place, but Johnson did that and uh, deserves it. Great point you made there, Don. I think it's farm reward for his form, but also protects the asset from the cultural perspective. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, too. So uh, sensible business all round. There was um, a really um, so there, there, there was a really interesting nugget in the post match pod from Selzy where it kind of cites a Steve Parrish led 
sort of fear ah, looking yeah. at looking at goalkeeper. Mm. Goalkeeper. Joe, don't say it. If you want to hear that, you can join up. Yes. There you go. Go on, Joe. Go on. Go on. I did think about that without. But just that, if you look at the the goalkeeper situation at the bottom four or five in the Premier League last season, most yeah. changed their keeper halfway through the season, whether yeah. that was injury or just really poor form. And I think that might have in, inspired the, the the activity that we saw in the summer. I think in practice, that's very different. You know, the application of that and how that affects the players is very different to that, you know, how, how that those kind of boardroom decisions. Uh, but yeah, for now, it's, you know, we're kicking it up the road. That's, that's a thing we can worry about when Dean Henderson's fit again and uh, the boat's rocked a little bit. But right now, Sam Johnston has has done everything he's, uh, we've asked of him. I can think of one error, maybe, that the, the Wolves game back end of last season where he concedes the penalty, uh, yeah, being a bit he, lax I, in possession. That's probably I thought he was a, I thought he was a little bit slow with his feet against Spurs last week, which led to the first right. goal, the ball we played the ball. Oh, yes, of course, yeah. But yeah. in terms of his kind of core goalkeeping skills, he's been absolutely outstanding. Before we come on to previewing this weekend's game, um, which will see England's number one against England's number two, I would say at the moment, probably, given Ramsdale's um, issue at Arsenal, um, let's allocate the points quickly. So, uh, Dom, you went Jeffrey Schlupp. Uh, Joe, you went Jack Madison. Um, I'm happy to say Sam Johnson gets the one this week. I think it's probably between your two nominees in terms of of top rating. So I think you should Eve. always go with the person who was at the game in person. So I'll go with Joe. Go on, Joe. Who do you, who do you want to Anderson give the nod to? Anderson? Yeah, uh, give it Anderson. Anderson with the trio. Let's do it, yeah. Yeah, lovely. Uh, I think, I haven't got the points in front of me, but I think that extends Joe Commanderson's lead at the top of the uh, 3-2-1 charts, which I presume is on display at Copers Cope. I presume that's probably what's kind of keeping <laughs> the guys going. It's pinned to the dressing room wall. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. But lovely to give a mention to Jeffrey Schlupp. You're right, Dom. He... He is a very easy target for some Palace fans, including sometimes on this podcast. So it's lovely to give him praise when uh, when a performance warrants it. So um, I dare say that might be Jeffrey Schlupp's first two points of the season. So welcome to the party, Jeff. Right. Join us after the break for the final part of this podcast where we'll very quickly preview Everton visiting Selhurst Park this Saturday. Welcome back to the final part of this week's FYP podcast, sponsored by Green King Sports. Okay, listen, we're uh, we're at the end, so we're very quickly going to uh, look ahead to this Saturday's home match against uh, Everton. Dom, I'll come to you, a man who uh, once upon a time was the uh, football correspondent in that part of the world, so it's a club you know uh, very well. Um, they seem to have gone up a few gears in recent weeks. Um, so from what you've seen of them, what has Sean Dyche done to, to kind of get them clear of those at the foot of the division? Well, and in my current guys, I actually am the editor for the Athletics Everton uh, coverage. So um, I, I get to speak an awful lot of Everton with with Paddy Boyland, uh, Greg O'Keefe, uh, occasionally Matt Slater on the on the uh, on the takeover situation there. Um, what's he done? Well, I mean, look. Bottom line is he's got he's got players back and fit. Um, which has made a, a massive difference to them. Dominic Calvert Lewin is a, gives him another threat up up front. He's a. I, I suspect Palace fans who who are at the game on Saturday will see a very different Calvert Lewin to the one that came 
to sell us towards the end of last season in the nil-nil draw, mm. and he didn't pose that much of a threat really. But he's he's impressive again. He looks more like the player that did so well in the lockdown season under Ancelotti. Um, Decore, he's got playing amazingly. Um, he's he's a limited number ten. Going back to that that rule, he's probably got a bit more energy and 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 drive than than Jeffrey is a ten, but he he's got a canny ability to of popping up with a goal and he's, he's awkward and he's and we we've all seen him down that he is. We know what he offers, yeah. but but throw in you know the goalkeeper who they lent on hugely to stay in the division last year. Two centre halves, Tarkovsky, we all know about. Branthwaite is an England international oh, about I, I, to happen. I'm glad you said that because I think he's the most unheralded player in the division. Oh, he season. is outstanding, outstanding yeah. talent. He's basically, he'll be the next, he'll be the John Stones type. He is John Stones, Mark, too, isn't he? He yeah. is, he plays so similarly to Lefty. Really, really good player. Yeah, really he's good. a lovely player. A million pounds from Carlisle or somewhere, I think. Yeah, and, 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 you know, schooled at PSV Eindhoven last season when he had a, yeah, a really right. successful loan spell there. Yeah. Uh, he's he's classy. He's he's a good player. Um, you chuck in. I mean, Garner looks a, a proper midfielder now. Anano, I know he wasn't around the weekend, but he's he's been a handful. He's turned up this season for them. Yeah, he's, uh, and 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 solid wingers, solid Sean Dyche wingers in 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 McNeil, who's who's playing again now after injury, and Jack Harrison, who has actually done a. A de- decent job since he's yeah. gone there on loan. It's. I, I don't want to sort of build it up as if this they're, they're unbelievable, but they've won five out of eight, and they got a really. They were unlucky not to to make it six, but by, by beating Brighton at the weekend, they they are a handful at the moment. They're an informed team in the division, and you know any Palace fan that that rocks up at Sellers Park on the weekend thinking that we're going to wipe the floor with them is is in for a bit of a rude awakening because they. They they're a they're a good team and um, they look a mid table team now. They do. I think. I think they. Uh, if a team at that end of the table can go under the radar, um, then uh, I think Everton are that team. He he's got players in the positions that he needs them to be in. Dwight McNeil, Jack Harrison, which could prove a very astute loan signing. Um, yeah, they're, they're a much better team than they were given credit for at the start of the season. But as as you say, them not to overbuild them. This is still an Everton team that we should go toe to toe with this weekend, Joe. Don mentioned uh, Dominic Calvert-Lewin. Um, from your perspective, how important is he for Everton? And is the game as simple if we break it down that if Mark Gay and Joe Manson get the better of him, are, are Palace the favourites for this one? Possibly. You know, I, I think the approach that we're gonna we're gonna go go with is probably going to be designed to stink out any uh, Everton confidence and just really. I, I think we'll not be afraid to make the game miserable, even though we're at home. It is maybe it's as simple as uh, stopping Calvert Lewin. I think recent form against Palace, that Sellers visit aside, it shows that it's not not the easiest job. But I think one of the clumsiest performances we've seen from Mark Gay at Palace was that horrible defeat at Goodison under Vieira. Probably one of the the oh, worst performances. One of the one of the worst under him, I think. Yeah. Um, and Calvert Lewin had a number on had a number on us that day. Uh, there was the goal, of course, in the the other Goodison game, the the comeback, uh, essentially, kind of yes. well, the big pitch invasion. Yes, I, yeah, I, I I I worry about him being in a, being in a form that he is, and they've also got that the the Udinese guy. I don't know if he's fit at the moment, but uh, yeah, yeah, who's looked a bit of a pest. Um, 
I yeah, I I, I don't I don't, I think toe to toe in jewels and things like that. Yes, I, I, you know, of course we'll be up for it. I, I I think I think we'll I think we'll see a nil nil halftime special that kind of plan and <laughs> seeing seeing what what seeing what we we can kind of open up in the second half and i'll be totally okay with that if it seems to be working anyway um and I, I, the game is the game needs to be kind of we need to be in it long enough for michael Elise to come on and then yeah give us a chance yeah if we're in it with him coming on you 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 know not to put too much hope on a guy that's not kicked a ball in anger for for three and a half months but um yeah probably even longer than that i guess he did the injury in the in the euro june wasn't it 21's june so he really has been out for for a fair while yeah um i think calvert lewin's goal against west ham a couple of weeks ago kind of demonstrated that he's he's back he's fit and he's confident and, and a fit and confident dominic calvert lewin is a is a dangerous guy um to be honest from, from a personal perspective it could be an absolute crap game from my perspective it's the first game my dad's coming to for five years so i'm i'm very excited for that and that's um yeah it's going to mean a lot for for us um the pierce family derby Palace Everton. So I'm um, diplomatically hoping for, for him to have an okay afternoon, but still Palace nick it with a late Michael Lise goal. Let's, let's call it that. Um, Dom, thank you so much for joining us this week. Joe, thank you so much for, for joining. Um, we've, we've talked a lot there. Um, and uh, save it a Palace win. So we didn't really get onto away days. I thought we'd probably talk more after your arduous trip, Joe. We'll have to save that for another day for maybe a, a pod special. Yeah, I'm sure we'll have yeah. more, <laughs> more uh, fun away days to go. Um, patrons will have a pod extra drop into their inboxes um, after the Everton game. If you'd like access to that alongside uh, some other perks, uh, please do visit patreon.com forward slash FYP podcast. So listen, thanks for listening in this week. Uh, go well and up the palace. The only way is Podcast Network.